Hello again and welcome to the Nittany Rich Show and the 13th episode of the 2019 season. I'm Rich Scarcella of the Reading Eagle, your host. You can find this podcast at readingeagle.com and wherever podcasts are available. We welcome your feedback. Joining us on this week's episode are Bill Rabinowitz of the Columbus Dispatch, who of course covers the Ohio State Buckeyes, and Josh Moyer of the Center Daily Times, who of course covers the Penn State Nittany Lions. We're going to take a look at Penn State's 34-27 win over Indiana and preview this week's showdown at Ohio State. Bill will be joining us first. Bill, welcome back to the show. Nice to be with you, Rich. Uh, Can you tell the listeners where they can find your work? Yes, BuckeyeExtra.com, B-U-C-K-E-Y-E-X-T-R-A.com, or Dispatch.com. Buckeye Extra is kind of our our Ohio State-centric site at the Dispatch. And we also have a podcast that you can find, uh, Buckeye Extra Podcast. And uh, I guess those are probably the two best places. Okay, great. Let's start with uh, Ryan Day. Uh, Ryan Day uh, coached the first three games last year? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, three games. games. Urban Meyer was suspended. Correct. And Ryan Day was tapped to be the acting coach. And uh, they played uh, Oregon State and Rutgers, which were games, and then they played TCU, which was expected to be a tough game, but they, they prevailed right. fairly easily. So Urban he, Meyer came back. So Ryan Day's record is a uh, unblemished 13-0 and as a head coach. Yes, what's amazing is that Urban Meyer won his first 24 games at Ohio State. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ryan Day kind of went 11 more just to match Urban Meyer. So in these 10 games, these first 10 games of this season, um, are you surprised by how well things have gone with him as as a first year coach, or have you seen anything from him um, that's a little different than what Urban Meyer has done? Well, he definitely has a different personality than Meyer. He's he's more approachable. He's more uh, he's just got a warmer personality than Meyer does. I don't think that's news. I mean, Meyer was very business like. Uh, he was fine for for media and people covering him. He'd, he'd ask a question, he'd get a pretty good answer, and uh, you know, he's not rude or anything, but he just. You know, you knew he wanted to be doing something else, and I'm sure Ryan Day does too. But he's just kind of, kind of warm or touch to him. And, um, but in terms of how he's done, I mean, he's done great. I mean, I think he did a couple things that were very smart early on. One was he decided not to retain most of the defensive coaches. The only one he kept was Larry Johnson, who I know Penn State fans mm-hmm. are very familiar with because all his time in State College. Uh, he was the only one that they that they kept. Larry Johnson's considered maybe the best defensive line coach in the country. Uh, he hired Jeff Halfley from the NFL, and he hired two Michigan coaches, uh, Greg Madison, who'd been there a long time, and now Washington linebackers coach. Uh, so that really turned the defense around. They, they changed their scheme. They made it simpler. They uh, attacked the ball much better. They, they were so much better at swarming the ball this year. Uh, at times last year, it seemed like they had nine guys on the field. This year, it seems like they've got 13 sometimes. It's just, just a different feel for the defense. And the other thing that Ryan Day did was, you know, with Dwayne Haskins leaving, that, that left them in a bind. And they did not expect him to leave uh, until kind of late in the year last year. They kind of went, oh, this guy's taken off, and he may not be here next year. And when, when Justin Fields became available, they pounced. And the alternative would have been Tate Martell probably. And Tate Martell transferred to, to Miami and has been unable to win that job. So you think if he couldn't win the job in Miami, how could he have done anything close to what uh, Justin Fields has done at Ohio State. So 
those two decisions were, were have really paid off for, for Ryan Day. Well, you lead right into my next question. Justin Fields, the one-time Penn State commit, uh, ended up signing with Georgia, spent a year there, and then a year there or two? Wait. One year. One year, yeah, I thought yeah. so. And then transferred to Ohio State. Um, obviously, he was a five-star recruit. He's had a tremendous year, 31 touchdown passes, one interception, 69% completion percentage. Again, Bill, I'll ask you, are you surprised by how things have gone for him, with him, uh, in his first year at Ohio State? Yeah, a little bit. I think anyone, to be honest, would be would have to say a little bit because he came in. He only came here in January. He never even visited. Uh, Ohio State recruited him kind of the very end, but they knew they were they were not going to unseat Georgia for him. So uh, he really was an unknown quantity in a lot of ways. And, and you think about it from his perspective, comes into a, a new school, uh, new teammates, new coaches. He never lives in a cold weather place. He gets there in January. Uh, didn't know anybody, really. And it took some time to acclimate. I mean, he told me, I did a game day cover story on him a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and he told me that basically the first couple days he was there, or I don't, maybe, I don't know the exact time frame, but he wanted to transfer. He called his dad and said, you know, come get me. And wow. his dad said, just give it more time. And then pretty much right after that, he, he kind of felt more comfortable, and then the rest is history. Um, but in the spring, he looked okay, but not great, which is understandable, given that he didn't know the playbook. Um, but this season, the growing pains have simply not come. I mean, he, he just, from the first game, he has been nearly flawless. Uh, he throws a nice ball. He can make every throw. He's able to buy time in the pocket. He's very polished, doesn't get rattled. And he has a running dimension that, that, frankly, Dwayne Haskins didn't give them really last year. So he he has just been everything that Ohio State could have hoped for. And he's got great players around him. Yeah. We're talking with Bill Rabinowitz of the Columbus Dispatch. Bill, another great talent that Ohio State has, defensive end Chase Young, was held out of the last two games over a, uh, I guess, a loan that he had. He took to pay pay for his parents. Or could you explain well, that? We're not. Nobody's. <laughs> the specifics are uh, unclear. I, okay. What I was. What I understand is that it was airfare to the Rose Bowl. Exactly who it was for, some people have reported that it was for his girlfriend. I, I mean, that, that may be. Uh, we have not reported that mm-hmm. aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, it was for airfare to the Rose Bowl because, um, well, it just was. And so he was held out against Maryland, and then the NCAA uh, suspended him. So it was essentially a two-game suspension. Mm-hmm. And for Ohio State, it was the, almost the best scenario because they obviously want him back for this week. Mm-hmm. Penn State sure. fans are thinking, you know, great. Now he's back and he's angry. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what it'll be. Well, let, let's get to, I mean, he was being mentioned as a Heisman Trophy candidate because of the year he was having. Uh, of course, he made the key, well, key, the critical fourth down stop last year at Ohio State, or at Penn State in the fourth quarter. But up until he was held out. You tell me, what kind of year was he having? Yeah, spectacular. Uh, the, the closest compar- comparison I could think of was in Donovan Sue back in whatever that was, about 10 years ago at Nebraska when he just was 
just dominating. I mean, Chase Young is so good that before every snap, you think, where's Chase Young? You look for him every, where's number two? And they're moving him around some, so it's harder for offenses to, to design their blocking scheme around him. He's lined up even as like a stand-up linebacker, just kind of roving around. He plays both left and right side. Um, but it's not just him. I mean, he's, he's clearly the best player. But they've got a bunch of guys. Jeffrey, Jeff Akuda, the cornerback, is going to mm-hmm. be a first-round pick, probably a high first-round pick. Willie Harris is a linebacker, is very good. Jordan Fuller. Um, it's, you know, and they've had some injuries. Uh, you know, they've been without a lot of their defensive ends. Chase Young, Jonathan Cooper really hasn't played much all year. Uh, but there's such depth. Larry Johnson's done such a good job of developing depth with these guys that, um, you know, they didn't didn't expect them to, to miss Chase Young against Rutgers of Maryland, and then they didn't. Um, but they can, they're still good without him. But he, he gives them, uh, you know, he's just a threat to, to make a disruptive play every every snap. Bill, uh, and you can help me with this, uh, Ohio State's closest win was 34-10 over Michigan State, right? Yeah, and Florida Atlantic was the same margin. as 45-21. Oh, that's right, right, okay. So, so have the Buckeyes trailed at all this year? And yeah, um, they it's funny. They trailed against Miami, Miami University, Miami of Ohio. Uh huh. They were down five nothing, a field goal and a safety, and then the Buckeyes managed to edge them seventy six to five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not having real close games. Do you think that helps or hurts Ohio State? That's a great question. I mean, I think it probably does hurt them because you don't know how they're going to react if they get into a situation where, and they probably will at some point. I mean, it's, it's defying kind of football odds to, to think that you could go through a season and blow everybody out. I mean, Nebraska in, I think, 95 was the last team that kind of did that. I mean, it just it just doesn't happen. And obviously, Ohio State's next four or five games, or three mm-hmm. or four or five games, are going to be much tougher. Penn State is the best team they've played in terms of you know, athleticism. I think Wisconsin, people thought they could give them a game. I, I didn't really think they would because other than Jonathan Taylor, I just didn't think they had the, the players, the, the talent to just test Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, Penn State does. I mean, I know there's some injury questions with Penn State, but if Hamler's good to go and you know, some of the other players they've got, I mean, they, they're going to be tested. Ohio State's going to be tested. Um and we won't know. It's one of those un- unanswerable questions mm-hmm. until it happens. And you say, okay, what are they, what are they made of? What, what do you think has been behind um, Ohio State's dominance in these first 10 games? What, I mean, besides, obviously, we've talked about Justin Fields. We've talked about Chase Young. But, but anything in, in, like, in general stick that, that has, has led to this dominance? Yeah, I think there's a sense that they're playing to their standard. That it doesn't matter who the opponent is, they're going to play the way that Ohio State should play. And Ryan Day has preached toughness all year, that the need to be tough and need to just just play to your level. And they're playing much freer this year. I, you know, Urban Meyer is a great coach. He's a Hall of Fame coach, one of the best coaches in the history of college football. But I think after seven years of that voice, of hearing that voice, of somebody who was really never satisfied, uh, no matter what you did, I think it kind of, I don't want to say it, it, it uh, beat them down. That's, uh, that's overstating it. But I think that they have responded well to a different voice. And maybe it would have been just a different voice anyway, just whoever it would have been. But I think that, that the team and coaching staff and everybody has just responded so well. Like, okay, you think that we can't win without Urban Meyer? We'll show you. 
you think we can't win without Dwayne Haskins? We'll show you. And the defense in particular, after the way they played last year, they heard for, for nine months, you guys suck. You know, you guys are <laughs> terrible. And they were by Ohio State standards. But they, they are playing together this year. The scheme is much simpler. They just read and react. I'm not saying it's like high school. It's not. But it's, it's complex. But they, they play as if they know what they're doing. Uh, there's no confusion. There's no miscommunication. The breakdowns that happen all the time last year, you just really haven't seen. You know, yeah, teams will gash them every now and then. I mean, Rutgers had a 27-yard touchdown run. I mean, it's going to happen. But it would happen four or five times a game last year. And now it might happen once or twice where a team will get that kind of game. And I think they've held every team under 300 yards this year. That's just that's just amazing. I'm not positive about that, but I'm pretty sure about that. And that's that's just amazing given that Ohio State's offense has scored so quickly this year that the defense is on the field a decent amount. You know, um, I you know I we, I don't get to see Ohio State that much. I've just seen bits and pieces. But every time you look up, you know the score is, is ridiculous. Um, Penn State has managed to play Ohio State very well, especially these last three years. Of course, the upset in, in, in 2016, and then uh, the last two years, uh, Ohio State beat Penn State by one point, came from behind in both games, um, just did a tremendous job never losing uh, their poise. Are you surprised by the point spread that it's up? I think the last yeah. I looked was 19. Yeah, uh, the first thing I saw yesterday was 19 and a half. I was surprised, but I figured it would be 14. Yeah, you know, yeah I thought same. that's kind of where I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know whether that reflects Penn State's injury situation. And, I, I, you know, you know better than I do what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it's on, on the road, that Penn State hasn't been you know, great lately, I guess. I mean, Ohio State beat Indiana on the road 50 right. and right. Penn State beat them 34-27 in State College. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far as I know, I mean, I'm, I think I'm right. That Franklin really has not had a signature road win in his career at Ohio State, at Penn State. Is that right? That would be right. I mean, that the, Iowa's the biggest win this year. That they beat Iowa was. Um, I don't know if they were four and one or five and one. I can't remember, but they were ranked in the top. 20 for sure that that's his biggest true road win yeah and that's a tough place to play iowa so you know i'll, I'll give him that i mean it's so i mean do i think penn state can beat ohio state yeah i think they can i think that if ohio state doesn't play well if hamler and some of these other guys sean clifford doesn't get rattled and they can protect then yeah i think there's a chance uh you know i think ohio state wins most of the time i, mean, I think there's a reason that it's a 19-point spread, mm-hmm. um, but I, you know, this is one of the few games I'm going to go to the stadium thinking I don't know. You know, <laughs> most of the games I'm like it's just what's the score going to be? You know, they're going to win. What's the score going to be? Uh, there was a little bit of doubt, of, you know, going into the Cincinnati game because Cincinnati coming off a good year and, and Ohio State did show a little some flaws in the Florida Atlantic games. You thought maybe in a 42 nothing. You thought okay, maybe Michigan State. And they hung with them for a little bit, but not really. Yeah. And then Michigan State has subsequently collapsed. Uh, Wisconsin, you know, it was, it was 10-7 in the third quarter after Wisconsin scored kind of a fluky touchdown. Uh, then they just rolled. And other than that, it's really been just just show up and dominate. Yeah, you know, it's, I, I'm looking forward to this. Cause yeah, I don't think it'll necessarily be like that. You know, it's funny. This is the first time that Penn State's an underdog all year. 
And now we're joined by Josh Moyer of the Center Daily Times, who, of course, covers Penn State. Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, Rich. Thanks a lot for having me. Good to be here. Where can the listeners find your fine work? <laughs> well, they can uh, find it on uh, centerdaily.com or uh, just follow me on Twitter at by Josh Moyer, and uh, hopefully they'll be able to find it that way. Josh, Penn State improved to 6-1 and one in the Big Ten, 9-1 overall with a 34-27 win over Indiana, setting up this week's showdown for the Big Ten East title, more or less, at Ohio State. Do you ha- – I know we could talk about a lot of things from the Indiana game, but do you have uh, one or two takeaways from that game that uh, sticks out in your mind? Sure. I mean, I, I can give you two right off the bat that, that jump to mind, and, and both involve uh, uh, the, the passing attack. On, on offense, uh, I was impressed by how Sean Clifford bounced back from, from what was just a, a terrible performance uh, against Minnesota, having three interceptions. And although the stat sheet didn't show it against Indiana, Rich, uh, I think you and I can both agree that it was still a heck of a game for, for Sean Clifford every time Indiana scored on the ne- very next drive. Uh, every time Indiana scored a touchdown, rather, on the very next drive, Sean Clifford drove his team down, and they scored themselves. So Indiana was not able to gain any ground because of how clutch Clifford was. And if you look at that nine-minute drive, uh, you know, Sean Clifford had the 10-yard run on third and nine, mm-hmm. converted another third down, and he had the touchdown on, on fourth and goal from the one. So, you know, I thought he was absolutely clutch, and that definitely bodes well for Penn State's offense moving forward. Defensively, it was the same story against Minnesota. Uh, Penn State was was just listless in that department. The passing defense has quickly become the Achilles heel of this of this entire team. So now that the last two weeks we have Penn State's defense allowing 710 yards yeah. through the air, four touchdowns, and an 80 percent completion rate by opposing quarterbacks, and that is not what you want to see uh, heading into the buzzsaw that that is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Josh, I'm glad you mentioned the secondary and the defense. You're, you're, and you're right. I mean, I watched the replay uh, of the Penn State-Indiana game. They had a blown coverage for a touchdown. There were guys, again, not – I mean, Indiana did a lot of dinking and dunking, but they hit some long passes, especially early in the game. Um, I want to get to the poor tackling. Uh, in the second half especially, and it, it was at, on all three levels – uh, I I thought the tackling was was really bad, and I'm just wondering. And you and I know I know haven't discussed this. They did this. It, the, the tackling wasn't great at Minnesota, but it was far worse against Indiana. We haven't seen that all all year before these yeah. last two games. Where do you think that's come from? I honestly, Rich, I I wish I could tell you. I'm sure that Brent Fry is wondering the same thing right now. I mean, uh, Penn State. This isn't exactly a new issue for Penn State, but. But usually it's been, you know, early in the season where we've pointed out, you know, poor tackling or, or missed tackles. And to have it happen at this point when it really hasn't been an issue all season, I think that's been it, that's been maybe a bigger pri- uh, surprise than the past defense, in all honesty. I mean, at least with the past defense, you kind of had an inkling. I mean, even, even pitch coach Pat Narduzzi said, we went after the secondary. Mm-hmm. That's the weak link of their defense. We knew the secondary wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Um, know it was a weakness to this point whereas tackling i mean you know two weeks ago if, if you had to come up with the top 10 issues on penn state defense i mean i i, I don't even think it makes it uh but but now all of a sudden i mean uh, 
to me, that's just that's. I don't know if you have an answer, but to me, that's 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 the biggest mystery to this defense. Yes, I I don't have an answer. I just know I, I what I noticed. I knew it was bad watching the game in in live time, in real time, um, on Saturday. But when I watched the replay, I couldn't believe some of the missed tackles. And I I remember that one. It was a, a bubble screen to the left side uh, in the third quarter. or uh, it Actually, it was in the fourth quarter. And the guy looked like he was hemmed in. And at least th- three guys had clean shots at him, a receiver. And I'm not sure if it was Hale or not. Uh, and they missed him. And I, I just I don't understand it. I, I don't know. Where, I, I, I don't remember seeing this in the first eight games. Staying with defense, uh, I was willing to give the Penn State pass rush a quote-unquote pass against Minnesota because Minnesota used a lot of extra blockers, uh, whether it was six offensive linemen and often kept in the tight end and the running back to block. And Tanner Morgan had a lot of time. This past week, Peyton Ramsey still had a lot of time, and Indiana was not committing six offensive linemen or even eight as many as eight blockers, and Penn State still struggled to get to him, that has been a surprise to me. What do, What is your take on the lack of pass rush? Uh, I'm with you, and I, I talked to uh, Indiana beat writer John Blau after the game, uh, You know, just kind of curious to get his thoughts, his initial impressions. And, and one thing that he was most surprised with was, was Penn State's lack of, of uh, production from their defensive line against Indiana. Uh, Indiana does not have a great offensive line. They have a starting a true freshman left tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are mediocre at best. Uh, I wouldn't even say they're above average. And and to see Penn State not have any success again, you know, uh, some some passes by Peyton Ramsey, sure. I mean, they're three step drops, they're quick, but I mean, he had a lot of time on on a lot of his deep throws too. And again, I, I, maybe it's not maybe it's not too late to start asking: Is this front seven, you know, overrated when it comes to the pass rush? And I say that because I mean, listen, Penn State. You look at the stat sheet. They're, they're tied for 11th nationally with 33 sacks right mm-hmm. now. Well, 10 of those came against Purdue, mm-hmm. and 7 came against Idaho. Yeah. You know, that, that's more than half of their sack production. So if you look yeah. and take it on a game-by-game basis, you know, Penn State hasn't fared that well. I think it's, it's very fair to say that Penn State is underwhelmed in this category. And, and certainly against Minnesota, I mean, Dieter Grossmontos was, was better against Indiana, but... I mean, he, he did not have a good game against against the Golden Gophers. And, again, that, that was supposed to be a strength of this entire defense. So when you start breaking things down, it's, it's interesting to me how it's almost as if this team has taken a step back as the season has progressed, you know, rather than the reverse, which well, is what we've grown accustomed to the last year. Right, especially on defense. That's what's so striking. We knew that the offense – I mean, we're 10 games into this, but we knew the offense, uh, you know, would would have to find its way – um, and and it has, I think, to 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 a large extent, because they've played so many great defenses, and they, and they've they've done pretty well. But the defense the last two weeks has really surprised me, and I'm sure, like you said, I'm sure Brent Pry is is scratching his head trying to figure out what the heck has happened. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I this I, I I didn't see this coming. Um right from from across the board on defense, the way they've played the last two weeks. Josh, were we talking with Josh Moyer, the Center Daily Times? Josh, let's shift to the offense. Uh, last week, uh, Penn State ran for almost 200 yards against a team 
I think it was ranked in the top 25 in rush defense. Um, of course, Penn State had the 18-play, nine-minute drive to seal it in the fourth quarter. What are your impressions with the running game right now and of the Penn State offensive line? Oh, well, that's definitely where we're seeing progression. It's, it's interesting, just kind of building off a little from before. Beginning of the season, we thought Penn State was going to lose because of the offense. Mm-hmm. And it's been entirely the opposite. The last two games, I feel like you really have to put on the defense, whereas the offense has been a nice surprise. You can clearly see since the first two games of the season how the offensive line has gotten better. We haven't talked a lot about left tackle Rasheed Walker because um, he's done a pretty solid job overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, the offensive line has come together really well. I, I still don't think it's an above-average uh, you know, run-blocking team, but you know, they're, they're, they're getting better. And, and to me, where we've really seen a lot of progress is, is from those four young running backs, you know, four underclassmen. You know, Ricky Slade, I, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on him. I think fans know by now you know, they're, they're fading him a little bit. Um, this is not his offense. It hasn't been his offense since maybe week two. Um, but Journey Brown has really been a surprise yeah. for me. Um, I know everybody was picking him to be a breakout player of the year, but you know his speed to the outside has translated really well. Um, you know he's had a lot of long runs. He had his first two 100-yard rushing games the last two weeks. And as soon as Noah Kane is healthy, um, you know he'll give Penn State a great one-two punch again. So to have you know the speed of Journey Brown and the ability to you know, break tackles and grind out defenses in the fourth quarter with Noah Kane. I'm really excited to see, you know, where that stacks up against Ohio State, you know, assuming uh, that, that, that Kane is healthy, because I think that, that might be where Penn State's made its biggest strides since early in the year. Well, that leads into my next question uh, perfectly. K.J. Hamler left the Indiana game uh, at, late in the first quarter after landing on his head on a kickoff return uh, he seemed to be okay after the game. He was in the tunnel uh, joking with his teammates. Um, Noah Kane did not play for the second straight week. Uh, he was injured out at Michigan State early in the game. Uh, he did go through, he, he, he was a full participant in pregame. So, what do you expect? Because we won't know until Saturday shortly afternoon. Do you expect Hamler and Kane to play, first of all? You know, that's a tough question, obviously, because uh, that's one thing that James Franklin is not very transparent mm-hmm. about. Uh, the last two weeks, he told us that Noah Kane was feeling good. He expected Kane to go. And then Kane didn't play. So, obviously, no matter what James Franklin says Tuesday, you have to take it with a big grain of salt. But, mm-hmm. but certainly, Noah Kane, you know, he, he seems to have gotten better, you know, back to back weeks. And a lot of us, you know, watching him in the pregame, thought that he would play in yeah. against Indiana. So I was one of them. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, with as well as, as, with as good as he looked, you know, I would expect him, uh, you know, if I had to guess, um, you know, I would expect him to play against Ohio State. You know, maybe Penn State was trying to keep him out um, the last two games, so he would be okay to go in the big game against Ohio State. As far as K.J. Hamler, I mean, you're right, I did see him in the tunnel there, and, and he looked okay, but, but with concussions, it's always tricky. I mean, that's that's not something you want to chance. Uh, you know, I believe what didn't he have a, a concussion last year? Who had a or you know who or had a, a hit to the head? And you know that's something you need to be careful with. So mm-hmm. certainly they'll want him to play if he can go. I would expect him to go, but I, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know what we'll see from that. You know, I guess Wednesday at practice we'll know a little bit more, and 
certainly Franklin will be asked about it Tuesday. But, you know, without K.J. Hamler, you know, maybe no team is just one person. But without K.J. Hamler, I, I really don't think that Penn State has a chance against the Buckeyes. Yeah, I was my, you, you answered my question. I was going to say, can they win without Hamler and or Kane? And you say I think no. They can, yeah, they can win without Kane. I don't think they can win without Hamler. Yeah, I would, I would agree He's with valuable. you. valuable. They don't have the depth. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Josh, uh, this is irony as, as, as we go into this week, as we begin this week. Penn State's a 19, 19.5-point underdog. It's the first time they're an underdog all year. One, were you surprised by that spread, by, by being that high? And two, what does Penn State have to do to win the game Saturday? I was a little bit surprised. Uh, um, you know, uh, some friends and I had a conversation what we thought the line would be, and I put my guess at 15 and a half. Uh, I thought it was going to be more than than two touchdowns, but I didn't expect it to be, you know, 19 and a half. And I think it did open around 17 and, you know, bounced up to 19 right away. I'm guessing in part because of the Hamler injury. So, so yeah, that was interesting. As far as what Penn State um, has to do to, to win Saturday, uh, I think the big thing is shutting down Justin Fields. I mean, we've seen how the passing defense has struggled the last two weeks, and if it continues that, uh, Penn State is going to get absolutely stomped, and, and we're going to see uh, that 19.5 points. Um, <laughs> that's, you know, maybe not doubled, but, you know, Penn State's going to lose by three-plus touchdowns if they can't slow down Fields. Uh, they just have too many offensive weapons. So, you know, again, I'm – I'm I'm looking to see what happens through the air. I think that's going to be the you know the tail of the tape, and and you know certainly you can look at a lot of different things. You know Chase Young is going to be back. How much is he going yeah. to uh, uh, disrupt Penn State's passing offense? No, Kane going to be good to go. Is KJ Hamler going to be good to go? Is J.K. Dobbins going to run all over Penn State? There's a lot of storylines to this game, but what happens through the air, I think, is is probably going to determine who's the winner here. Josh, have you forget? The people in the press box. Have you talked to anybody or seen anybody who thinks Penn State can win this game? I haven't. That's why I asked. No, no. I mean, you're, you know, you're not a, a three touchdown underdog because it's, you know, it's going to be closer, nineteen and a half points. Uh, you know, everyone knew that Penn State was going to be the underdog going into this. I think, if anything, um, you know, I've been surprised by just how dominant Ohio State has been this season. Yeah. Uh, they're clearly one of the three, four best teams, and. If Penn State played Ohio State 10 times right now, I think they might win once. So, I mean, hey, anything can happen Saturday, but uh, I don't think many people are expecting Penn State to, to even keep it close. That's Josh Moyer of the Center Daily Times. Josh, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Can you remind the folks where they could find your work? <laughs> Absolutely. Always good to be here, Rich. And uh, you can find uh, my work on centerdaily.com or by following me on Twitter at by Josh Moyer. You can find this podcast on ReadingEagle.com and wherever podcasts are available. And you can find my content in the Reading Eagle and other media news group publications in the Philadelphia area and on ReadingEagle.com. You can find links to my stories on Twitter at Nittany Rich. We'll return next week when we review the Penn State-Ohio State game and look ahead to the Lions' regular season finale against Rutgers. This has been the Nittany Rich Show. Thanks for listening.